You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. I didn't uh, invite Kyle up to uh, formally introduce me. That's not why he was up here. So, um, no, we, we just wanted to make sure we capitalized on a couple announcements and uh, excited about what's happening at Renew Life Church. Glad you're here. Um, let's pray, and then we're gonna dive into some, uh, some word. Father, I thank you for uh, what you're doing in our church and what you're doing in our city, in our community, uh, through Renew Life Church, and, and I thank you for the grace that's upon us, uh, the anointing that is in this room. Uh, I just receive your help today uh, to speak clearly and precisely, and I ask that you would grace us all with ears to hear and eyes to see, and uh, d- that you would lead us uh, just deep into revelation and into truth, and I thank you for these things, and uh, we pray them, and we expect them in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna share a tiny testimony with you really fast, uh, super, uh, kind of an odd, interesting thing that happened to me the other day. Uh, how many of you watch like other preachers or teachers online, anybody? Uh, you should, there's a lot of great ones out there. There's so many teachings uh, at our disposal, you can click on YouTube, anything. Anyway, I was watching this YouTube uh, message the other day, and uh, this is, you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit. Uh, at the end of this message, he started giving words of knowledge and prophesying over some different people and different things, and uh, it was just this beautiful moment, and as I'm sitting in my de- at my desk, I-, I have this thought, and I say out loud, I-, I say, he's fixing to call me out, and I'm like, but hold on, I'm here, and he's there on a screen, like how is that gonna happen? And so uh, a little bit later he goes, um, if, if you would just, if you're watching or if you're in the room, take a look at your hands. And he said, if you have gold dust on your hands, will you just stand up? I look at my hand and there's like, there's gold dust. And I'm not, I didn't use like any like glittery like cosmetics that morning. I skipped, I skipped that day. That was the day before and the day after. Uh, and so I look at my hand and there's like, there's like a little bit of like gold flake is what I could, would explain it as in my hand. And, and so I just stand up. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm, I'm gonna might as well get my word. And so I, I just put my hands out and he starts praying on the screen. And as he starts praying, I, I'm watching the gold dust on my hands intensify by probably three or four times the amount. Before I know it, like my, my hands are covered in gold flakes. You're like, okay, this is too weird for me. I don't know how to explain it other than God does supernatural things. And so he released this word over people in this moment. And it was just like this favor and this authority and this, uh, this grace and this anointing to uh, actually accumulate wealth, not just earthly wealth, but kingdom wealth. And that there would just be this supernatural uh, opportunities and favor would come into your life to receive and, and actually grow wealth. And I'm like, amen. And then he goes, and you're gonna get confirmation through a sign by the end of the day. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm in. So I tell a couple staff members what happened. You know, I'm just waiting for my sign. So later that evening, uh, actually later that afternoon, I'm scrolling aimlessly on Instagram, because that's what pastors do. And uh, all of a sudden there comes this video of this, this, uh, this rabbit, this bunny video. 
And I'm like, oh, that's cute, that's funny. And, and then I had this thought, like, I've been seeing rabbits randomly while I'm driving down the road or in town or just weird things. And so uh, a little bit later, we're eating dinner and, and our two-year-old, uh, in their creativeness and their imagination, she's sitting in her high chair and there's a wall right here. And she just leans over and she looks and she goes, bunny. And I'm like, there's no bunny on that wall, but she's like, no, bunny. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm listening. A rabbit and a bunny, they actually, they represent wealth, they represent multiplication, and they represent financial breakthrough. And so I got double confirmation in the same day. And so I just am telling you all of that testimony to say, look for God in the strange places because he's wanting to speak. That's why I pray often that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. That even when it looks really, really strange naturally, that we might see with a different lens that is supernatural, and we actually might see God or hear God speaking to us in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. And so I just bless you with an ability to hear and see in a supernatural way, and I just believe that God wants to speak to you, amen? Cool, anyway, just cool testimony. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can open it to John chapter five. John chapter five. Y'all good? All right. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. Five represents the number of grace. Uh, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had been in the condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I'm gonna stop there for just a moment because at this point in the story, this man who had had this situation going on for 38 years didn't realize that Jesus was actually Jesus. He didn't know who he was talking to. He didn't know who was asking him this question. And at first glance, this question from Jesus uh, seems a bit repulsive. He asks this man who has been in this condition for 38 years, do you want to be made well? Like, Duh, right? I think, I don't know if they still use that word. Uh, But I would imagine this guy's response would be really similar to like what our response would be. Like a little bit of sarcasm on it because he doesn't know it's Jesus, right? So he's like, no, like to to answer your question, do I want to be, well, I'm, I'm good. You know, like being down here, like, where I've been for 38 years, it's pretty comfortable. Like I got a spot kind of like wore out in, in the ground. So like it, it, it contours to my body well. Like the smell down here, it's fantastic. Uh, you should try it, like just get a whiff. Like I'm actually totally fine. Uh, I appreciate you asking, but no, 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 the life that I'm living, it's, it's good. Like who is this man that's asking me this question that seems to have such an obvious answer of do I wanna be made well? Of course, I wanna be made well. We, we have this thought that like, that's such a, 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 a challenging, like almost 
inconsiderate question to even ask. Of course the answer is yes, but somehow Jesus' question doesn't come across in a way of not being compassionate or not caring. And I believe it was for this reason. I believe it's because Jesus always carried the presence of God with him really, really well. And Jesus had this ability to clothe everything that he said in a high degree of love. It's important that as Christians, we don't miss little things like this. We're not just carriers of the knowledge of Jesus. We're actually carriers of his presence. I'm gonna say it one more time because I'm not sure if you believe me. We're not just carriers of the knowledge of Jesus, we're actually carriers of his presence. And there is great concern that our society today is actually conditioned to Christians who are more eager to share their knowledge about him rather than to just share him. We get in this place where it's like, I'm gonna tell them what I know before I give them what I have. I have, a, I have something about me, and the reason I have something about me is because all that I know and all of my getting of all my knowing and my knowledge. First Corinthians, I believe it's eight, it talks about how knowledge is puffed up. In other words, it parades itself around in pride. Meaning, because I know more than you, let me tell you what I actually know. When actually what they really need is the one who we carry on the inside of us. Scripture talks about how greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That's what they actually really need to have an encounter with, not our knowledge. Our knowledge will come in, but we have to get into this place where we carry a presence that says, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to harass you. I'm not here to compare my life versus your life. I'm not here to call out all of the things uh, that, that might be wrong with you. If you have a word about someone's bad living, and God gave it to you, he probably actually has the ability to give you the answer to their bad living, and then you should prophesy their answer, not their problem. Right? He's like, oh yeah, this is their mail. Great, what is the answer to all of the things that are in their mailbox? Holy Spirit, you know everything. Let there be a presence on me and a love on me that is so tender that I wouldn't just get the, the problem that they have, I would have the answer and the solution to their problem and I would actually give them that. And that is Jesus. We have to carry ourselves in a way where our job is to help them be pointed to the Father. He said that he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Think about the woman uh, who was caught in, a, in adultery in John chapter eight. Uh, if you don't know this story, there's this moment where uh, the, the, the religious leaders of the day, they actually bring this woman, Jesus is teaching to a group of people. It'd be like somebody breaking through these side doors and they actually bring a woman that they had just caught in the act of adultery and they throw her into the middle of the room. And Jesus is preaching and they say, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very, very act. We pulled her out of the moment. This is crazy. And they say, the law of Moses says that this woman should be stoned. She should be killed for her actions. What do you say, Jesus? And they're doing these things to try to get him, uh, to trip him up so that they have a reason to, to convict him and all of these things. And Jesus, it says that he stoops down in the dirt. He goes low. And he begins to draw. You remember he begins to draw in the dirt with his finger? 
And as the story goes on, uh, the, he says, all right, perfect. You who was out there without sin, let them throw the first stone. Well, then they realize they're, they're guilty. So they drop their stones and they leave. And then it says, Jesus and this woman. But I love this because Jesus' posture even speaks to the type of presence that he always carried with him. One of the things about hosting the presence of God is that humility is a great host to the presence of God. You think about when Jesus was baptized, it says that the, the skies opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And it, in, in one translation, it says that the, that the Holy Spirit remained upon Jesus. That would be that Jesus walked in such a way, there was such a stride about Jesus' living, there was such a, a stride about the way that Jesus cared for people, that he didn't step in pride, he stayed in humility, because humility always hosts the presence of God, which it changes everything in a moment. We have to be good at, at hosting the presence and carrying the presence, and not just trying to be these people that always give away our knowing. Humility is a great host. Jesus' words in this moment of this question, they instantly are interpreted as, as words of compassion to this man who had been in this condition for 38 years. John chapter five, verse seven, it says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And if I were to, look into the story a little further, maybe even put myself in the scenario and the situation. Could it have been that after all of this time, that every time that the water is stirred and someone steps over this man, as if he is in the way, as if his condition disqualifies him from anything good in his life. Your condition did not disqualify you from the grace of God that Jesus offered through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. He actually came because of your condition. He came for the ones that were sick and the ones that were hurting. And I would imagine in this moment, this man actually has someone ask him a question that actually points to maybe this person actually cares differently than everyone that just stepped over me because I was in the way. Did he start thinking in this moment, this might be my day. This might be the moment that everything changes. This might be the moment that I actually get out of my crevice on the ground that I've, I've, I've dug because I've laid here all of this time. Maybe, maybe everything is about to change. Maybe this guy's here to actually help me and shift my life forever. Maybe today is my day of my big break. An interesting thing about this is when I look into the story, I see that this was this man's 11th hour of waiting. Now, the scripture doesn't say this, I just, I'm looking at scripture and I'm adding a couple things up, but if you look at numbers and some of the numbers in scripture, the man had been there, it says in the condition for 38 years, but if you take three and you take eight and you add them together, you get 11. 11 is a number of transition. This man was literally in his 11th hour of transition before Jesus steps onto the scene and comes and makes everything perfect in a moment. And I would propose to you that if you're in a place where you feel like maybe this year is your year, maybe you feel like you, you've been in a place where you need some things to break through. And like 2023 starting, like this is the year that I'm gonna find a spouse. I'm gonna find my husband, I'm gonna find a wife. Guys, the first step 
is you have to walk across a room and you have to talk to them, okay? But don't do that if you don't have a J-O-B, amen? And all the ladies said, all right. But maybe you maybe had this thought of like, oh, maybe this week, maybe tomorrow is the start of, maybe I will, I will actually step into the promotion that my boss promised me a month ago. Like we come with expectation, or at least we should. We should actually get our hopes up in Jesus. We say all the time, well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up. No, 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 put all of that hope, gather it all up, and then plop it down in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, all my hope is in you. Jesus is the only one that has ever graced the earth and the only one that you'll ever have access that will never not meet your expectation. He is better and then some. He is the God that does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, could think, hope, or even imagine. Put your hope and your trust right in the middle of Jesus. I, I believe that as we, as we come with expectation, we come with hope, that maybe everything is going to change in this year. Maybe this is gonna be my moment, like this man, like maybe Jesus actually sees me in a way and, he, and he's actually here to offer help. I believe that Jesus' answer to you is the same that it was for this man. And in John 5, 8, in verses eight, it says this, and Jesus said to him, rise, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and he walked. In other words, Jesus' answer was yes. The thing that you desire the very, very most, my answer to you is yes. Do you wanna be made well more than anything else? Yes. Do you need freedom more than anything else? Yes, well great, my answer is yes too. I say this and I make this statement that, that, that Jesus' answer to your situation is yes, like it was to the man's situation is yes because of this. Jesus is no respecter of persons. This is what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning that what he did yesterday, he can do today, and he might want to do it again tomorrow. That's Hebrews 13, verse 8. It tells me that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, meaning that anytime I see or hear or read a testimony of Jesus doing anything good, what I should actually believe is that that testimony of Jesus' good doing is prophesying to me, Cody, I want to do the same thing in your life that I did in their life. That is what testimony does. It is to do again. So when you read things like this in scripture, and you need a breakthrough. And Jesus says, do you wanna be made well? And your answer is yes, he is saying, I can do it again and I want to. Will you just put your trust and will you just put your hope in the middle of me? Let's keep reading a little bit. Uh, in, in the book of John, verses nine through 10, it says, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured? It is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. This is where the story takes a strange twist to me. Like, everything's been great so far, right? Like, you got a guy who was in a condition, Jesus comes, asks him the questions, this great moment, and then the guy gets to take up his bed and he gets to walk, like he gets to be free and he gets to be healed. This guy's been here for 38 years all this time and then all of a sudden the religious people are like, no, 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 this, this, this is not okay. It's Sunday, this is the Sabbath today, 
You can't do that kind of work. You can't, it's work to carry, you, you can't do that. So there's no celebration in our eyes because your healing came on the wrong day. Exactly, like it's laughable. There should be like massive celebration. Jesus has our thoughts as it pertains to this too. As if you look in Luke chapter 13, you'll see that this woman, she was healed of this spirit of infirmity. And in this, they come to him and they say the same thing. You can't do what you just did. You can't heal or work on the Sabbath. And this is Jesus's answer to these types of people. He said, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, he says this, think of it. Like, this is a big deal. For 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath? In other words, are you serious? Are you absolutely out of your mind that this is illegal? They're free. They were bound, now they're not. It doesn't matter which day it takes place on. I was thinking about just a real life scenario that we would even go into further detail of like how egregious this would be. But when we were having our third child, Griffin, uh, she, she's, she's a ball of a lot of things, she's incredible. Uh, but while Stacy was pregnant, she was like, hey, I think that I want to have Griffin through a midwife. Well, I'm like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm like, how far is the hospital? What happens if this goes wrong? Like, I'm thinking all natural things. I'm in freak out mode. I'm like, where are we having her? Not in our bed, right? Uh, surely not in our bathtub. I'm like, I'm thinking all the things, you know? And, and she's like, no, no, listen. If I didn't think that God was going to do this, do you think I'd be doing it? I'm like, okay, you're right. I'll, I'll adhere to you. So the night that her water breaks, it's like or a morning, it's like 4.45 or 7 or something like that. And she's like, Cody, my water just broke. And I'm like, oh, great. I start putting clothes on, shirts are backwards, pants are inside out. Like, I'm freaking out. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. Just lay back down. I'm gonna take a bath first. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no time to waste in this moment. I'm not prepared to, for all of the things, I'm definitely not prepared to do that thing. Like, I can't help you bring this baby out. Like, I can cheer you on, but I can't catch her. And so I'm, you know, like, this is just bad in my brain. So I go back to sleep. It was that bad, I just went back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she gets in the bath and a little bit later, like she doesn't, I can hear her in the bath. Like she is in pain. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm drawing the line. I'm getting you out of the bath. We're going to the, we're going to the midwife. So I dry her off, get her dressed, put her in the car. And I am just running red lights. As fast as I can drive in a safe manner, I am driving and I'm running red lights. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't drive in. I can't race Indy cars and deliver babies all at the same time. Like this doesn't work. And so it would have been so terrible in this moment. If a police officer sees me run a red light, pulls me over and says, uh, sir, do you know that you ran a red light? Mm-hmm, I do. Why? Well, see my wife, she's fixing to have a baby like now. It would be terrible if he said, well, tell her to put a cork in it because I got to write you a ticket. <laughs> like. It just doesn't work, right? Like, which is the same in this situation. Like, it's, it's absolutely nonsense that right and wrong is what is considered in a moment where someone receives a miracle. Good news is we made it to the midwife in time. We had like 20 minutes to spare and uh, 
Everything was great. But I think that we get into this place oftentimes where we get focused on right and wrong as it pertains to uh, the things of God. And I wanna finish reading this, this John chapter five. In verse 11, he says this, and he answered them, he who was made well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who had been healed did not know that it was Jesus, for Jesus had withdrawn, uh, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that made him well. Poked your neighbor and said, the answer is Jesus. Okay, y'all gonna have to do way better than that. Do it again. Poke your neighbor and tell him the answer is Jesus. Hey. See what happens when you have power of a microphone? They just make people do all kinds of stuff. I can't help but to think like, above all things, the man's life was restored, regardless of right and wrong. Now, we've made big deals out of being right and wrong, and we've minimized the miracle of restoration that comes through Jesus. We, we put emphasis on, well, they're wrong, therefore they can't have. Or, I did wrong, therefore I'm unworthy of getting. Or I can't have. It's not for me because I did or didn't do or I said or I didn't say. The, the title of the message today uh, is what's the big deal? And I would ask you that question, what, what's the big deal in your life? Is it, is it sin that's the big deal? Is it your weakness? Is it your failures? Is it your mistakes? Is it your disobedience? Is it your past life? Is it an affair? Is it your, your poor money management? Like what? Is it, your, is it your, your failures at parenting? Like what is your big deal that is blinding you from seeing the actual real big deal, which is the restoration that Jesus offers? Because something has your attention. Something has all of our attention. Would you dare to believe this morning that there's something bigger than your sin? My point is, is this, the big deal isn't what is wrong with you, the big deal is what is right with you and it's Jesus. There's a saying that we have around here and it's this, there's more right with you than there is wrong with you. And we need to confess that over ourselves. I need to confess that over myself. In the middle of feeling like I failed, I have this strong need that in those moments I have to confess over myself, there is more right with you, Cody, than there is wrong with you. When I fail as a parent and I, I respond in anger to something, I can't afford and my children can't afford for me to get into a place of dismantling my identity in Christ and believing that the big deal is is that I am something wrong as a parent. All that does is slow me down in becoming a better parent. 
if the enemy can talk you out of who you are, I say this all the time, then you'll never be talked into what you can do. And in these moments, we have to erase what we think is the big deal and put the emphasis on the big deal who is Jesus and confess over ourselves, there is something better in me. I am more right than I am wrong because of Jesus and my belief and what he did for me on the cross. I'm gonna close here. Romans chapter five, I believe these scriptures, they sum up everything that we're talking about. It's a bit of scripture, so just track along with me. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who is yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. I love that. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And this result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person's, I'm sorry, one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as the people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. I wanna reread verse 17 and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to pray. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who will receive it. They'll live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. My question to you this morning is will you receive it? Will you receive an abundance of grace in your life that will empower you to leave a life of sin and then it will also empower you to live the life that Jesus actually laid his down for you to pick up? Will you receive it is my question this morning. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.